FIA welcomes you to The Art Parlor, where visually impaired artists of all types will discuss their work. Pull up a chair, bring your beverage of choice, and listen to thoughtful, stimulating conversations with visually impaired artists in all media and from all parts of the world. And now, here's your host, Peter Alchul. Welcome to the Friends and Art Parlor. My name is Peter Alchul, the program chair of Friends and Art. And we are delighted this week to have, again, our president, Mike Mandel, on the show. And for those who might not remember, we had Mike on a while back, and he talked about his early experiences running around the country, playing for this person and that person, and teaching and doing whatever else he was doing. And we never quite got to the part about how he engaged with friends in art. So we thought it was well worth the effort to bring him back and uh, have him talk about that experience. So, Michael, welcome to the Art Parlor. Thank you, Peter. And so let's go back to your life. You know, I, I think it was sort of the 1990s that you got engaged with Friends in Art. And uh, yeah, it was actually, I believe, 1989. 1989. Yeah. Okay, well, that I, you're probably right. Mm-hmm. So back in 1989, you're running around doing your usual performing. I know you're doing lots of work with synthesizers, and I know you were doing all kinds of stuff. How did you hear about Friends in Art? Well, I was dating a young woman, and this was uh, 1988, Sherry was her name, and uh, we decided we wanted to check out NFB, so we did do that, and at that point, they had nothing that we could find that accommodated artists, and I really wanted to find a hookup with uh, a group, if there was such a group uh, of blind entertainers, singers, writers, musicians, so on. Or if not, uh, you know, look for a way to create such a group. So after NFB, which we didn't enjoy that much in 88, happened and we split up. That uh, was interesting. Uh, that's right learned about guide dogs was from her. So the next year I put in for a guide dog and uh, canceled the relationship with Sherry, but went on and had a relationship with a guide dog. Uh, so, and, so anyway, the next year I went to ACB in search of the same thing that, that I've gone to NFB for and Somebody told me, oh, what you want is friends in art. Well, that's a kind of odd name, friends in art. So I waited and I went to uh, one of the meet and greet parties. And so I met friends, uh, you know, friends in art and mingled, got to know folks and, uh, ran into a young woman named Janice Avery, who I had spoken to about two decades before, when I needed an assist to go to the Berkeley College of Music, and they declined me the first time. Well, anyway, there was Janice, the president of Friends in Art, and somebody who really embodies the whole intelligence and spirit of friends in art and of course a few a few years later she became janice kent wife of gordon kent who we will speak of later so anyway i encountered the group and uh then went to the showcase which initially shocked me because everybody was on the showcase not just the most talented people, everybody had a shot, seemed to get up and do something. And I thought to, to myself, well, you know, we could. What year was that, Mike? That was probably 89. And uh, I thought to myself, now we need more professionals in this group. Or we need to focus more on the professional sound that blind artists have. I want to point out at this time that we embrace not only the artists, but the audience. Friends in art. What is our headline on the web? 
where visually impaired artists and audience members thrive. Thrive. Yeah, That's thank, the word. Yeah, thank you. I read it 10 minutes or maybe 15 minutes ago, and it went out of my mind. <laughs> so, so, so that is very important about friends in art, where artists and audiences thrive. We really appreciate the audiences. And I like that approach very much. So I came back to ACB the next year and hung out with friends at art. And uh, I had an idea about, at that point, MIDI had only been around for eight years. Musical instrument, digital interface. The language agreed upon by manufacturers of MIDI gear and music gear so they would have a common language to uh, talk to, get to each other with. So you could buy a Roland synthesizer and a Yamaha synthesizer, and one would be compatible with the other. And I wanted to know more musicians like me. I wanted to learn, and I was the, uh, I was the only guy I knew doing it. So I brought this idea to friends in art, that really started with a man named Ed Potter. Ed Potter put out, I believe it was a, was a monthly or quarterly? Monthly. Monthly cassette magazine dealing with products for vision impaired people, especially radio, TV, ham radio, uh, that kind of thing. And I loved it. And I thought that's a really workable format. So... I proposed to friends in art that we come up with something like that only for musicians who were using MIDI. And that was great. But the best way to get it done, and I don't remember who encouraged me to do this at all, but the way to get it done was join the board. So I ran for the board in probably, oh, about 1992 or three. and. Thank goodness I got a chair on the board and brought to the table the notion of some kind of publication that would meet my current wishes that I had uh, to be other musicians. So thus, they put me in charge of what we call the mini mag. It only had, I believe, two recorded issues that uh, we put out. And then at a friends at our meeting in Chicago in 1994, it was suggested, well, let's do a listserv then, you know, to distribute the news yeah, and ask your questions. Yeah, go ahead. The founding meeting for that was in 92. Well, I think we were in oh, Phoenix. Oh. When, uh, you know, that Nelson, I've forgotten what his last name is, but oh, yeah. we had several techie kinds of folk that came to that meeting. I was just one of the greenies just listening and stuff. And we started that recorded magazine for its short duration uh-huh. and signed up for articles and things like that, you know, and it was neat. And then, yeah, right in Chicago, then Jay Williams came with us too. Oh, that's right. Jay's a firecracker. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah. Well, we, well, you know, we were building on the ones yeah. that we started with, and yeah. then they start, and then they had that idea about the list, sir. Yes, I think Nelson Hinman. Does that sound? Yeah, right? I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so we needed some people who knew how to set up lists and so on. That wasn't such a common thing in the early 90s, and thus, we, you go ahead. Oh, just, we were talking new stuff then. Oh, oh, oh it wasn't, boy. I mean, that's when things like uh, America Online and CompuServe were still around. And uh, so we started the mini mag list and People joined, and the list still exists today, by the way, as the mini bag list. I just remembered, I don't know how to tell people how to sign on to the mini bag list. You can go to our website, which is friendsinart.org, or as I say, friendsinart.org, 
And uh, there's a link on that site to the MIDI mag. To that's, thank you, Peter. That's, that's, that's the way to do that. So, so Mike, we, I want to I go back to something you said. Sure. Because um, it, it has some real power for me because I went to one of those showcases uh, where everybody performed. It was a four-hour showcase. And I said, that never. That was in Chicago. I, yeah. yeah. I, I said to myself, never again will I go to a showcase like that. It was too long. And actually, um, the one I went to, uh, I only went to the second half of the showcase and it ran two and a half hours. And I said, I'm never, I'm not going to do this. I, I am not yeah. going to do And I, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it. So about, I want to say a year or two later, I saw an article in the Borough Forum, which I assume Mike Mandel, you wrote, that said, we want to, we want to tighten up the showcase. We want to make it a little more professional. We want to create a show that's a little more um, welcoming to the audience. Uh, and uh, we want to audition people. And, and I thought, okay, with, with that in mind, I can, I can go for that. I can, I can support that. Yeah. And that's what got me involved with Friends in Art. Great. You know, I, I remember Chicago. I was dating a lady at that point uh, in Chicago. And so we went to dinner the whole first half of the show and more and uh, showed up. And we were number 38 on the program. So with 30... <laughs> With 37 people ahead of us, we, we were able to eat dinner, relax, and then go to the showcase. So I would think that was enough. That served really at that point nobody, not the performers certainly, because people got up and left. So I've always thought that a reasonable showcase of about 90 minutes to two hours would serve both those performing and the audience, the audience would still maintain their attention and have time to go to, if there was a next event in the evening, to enjoy that. And uh, so that really interested me also. And I don't know how it is that we convinced the board to shave this down and make it something manageable, but it did happen. And about 1995, 96, we really got an exciting shot in the arm when Gordon Kent came to the convention. That was in 95 in Greensboro. That was in 95. I remember it that was one. was in 95. Thank you, Nancy. I do remember that one. Yep. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, historian. Here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, so I remember that showcase because that was the first show I performed in. And, uh, and Gordon was the oh, last. You did Nellie Bell. I did Nellie yeah. Bell. That's right. I did Nellie yeah. Bell. <laughs> and um, which uh, which was a setting of a poem written by a, another guide dog graduate. This is a song that I recently got my uh, uh, recent uh, new dog in August. And one of my fellow classmates in dog school uh, wrote a poem about her first day with her new dog named Nellie. The person's name was Susan Jones. She wrote the poem. I liked it so much that I set it to music. And so here is a song called Nellie Bell, the text by Susan Jones, and I wrote the music. Hesitating for a brief moment, she bounds toward me, freshly bathed. I have her undivided attention as she pins me to the bed. Washes my face with what seems like approval, then tries to rearrange part of it with playful teeth. Her color is exquisite, like riches untold. My Nellie Bell, my Nellie She wiggles and whimpers and won't stay under the chair. In the night she wakes and wonders where she is and who that is over there. Then she returns to her gentle sleep and there begins a symphony of snoring and other somnolent sounds. 
And I laugh with a laughter that is new and old. My Nellie Bell, my Nellie Gold. And she loves me with a love that won't allow mine to grow cold. My Nellie Bell, my Nellie I was, I think, third or fourth from the end, as I remember. And the last thing on the showcase was this guy by the name of Gordon Kent, who I never heard of before. And he did this amazing thing where he's playing piano in one hand, trumpet in the other hand, and singing at the same time. What a blast! What a blast! Oh, yeah! It was one of the most amazing things I've ever heard in my entire life. And I thought, wow, this guy is like totally awesome. And I was more than a bit intimidated by his talent. I mean, the guy was just brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't meet him for several years later, but he, he really was a, another a peg in the process of, of moving the showcase forward. Cog is the word I'm thinking about. And uh, moving the showcase forward. Go ahead, Nancy. Another thing Gord did, this was in, in 95 when Gord first came to us. And we had had wonderful things. Harvey got us some nice arrangements, choral arrangements. And before that, John DeFrancesca and people like that had the choruses. But Gord said, well, that's fine, but why don't we make our own choral arrangements? And he started the tradition of different ones of us brought um arrangements that we'd made I've, I've made a couple and i don't know how many peter's made and and you know through the years different ones of us made choral arrangements ourselves the first one being gourds you've got a friend right. he made a choral arrangement of that in 96 that our chorus performed <laughs> so another development when you're done, Remember that you've got a friend. Uh, the way the way it went is you played the ver the version that Frank Senior and I did, and then it led right into the choral version. We did what that. I, what 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 I remember about those arrangements, and that was all. That was a, this was a Gordon thing. Was that how different all the arrangements were? You know, all of us had very different styles. Gordon had his you know style, and Nancy, you had your style, and I had mine. 
and it really was wonderful. Yeah. It, was, it was just it was well, a, everybody honored yeah. each other's style, yeah. and Absolutely. Gord was monumental in helping us get it done. Let me tell you that I like arranging, but I would have never had the face to think that I could have gotten them for presentation. But Gord recorded the parts, and then he and Janice brailed the words, and you know circulated that amongst the willing participants, not only the main friends and art people, but we we also got a lot of other people that came and sang in our choruses too. That's right. That's so, right. so, uh, but that really was a remarkable thing that Gordon did. And, and then of course, but we'll, we'll, co- we'll, we'll come to the house band in a minute because that happened yeah. later, but Michael, oh, that uh, was later. That was later. Um, but I want to just since this is a focusing on Mike and not Gordon, and we should get Gordon on at some point. Um, well, I know we were just sort of doing a bit of history. No, no, there. I, I, I am not opposed to any of this. So, Mike, you, you so you're on the board, and yes. you're, some of your things that you're suggesting, a lot of them were implemented. We we did streamline the showcase, um, and we got, uh, we got a suite. We got a we suite. Start, started friends in our suite. Now that yes. was back in San Francisco when we got our first one, which was in '93. Wow, Nat, you are good. <laughs> you are good. I was just there. <laughs> I was I was there too. I think yes. I remember, but I don't know if I was involved uh, with that showcase. Anyway, so Mike, you're plowing along. You're on the board, right? And you're doing great uh, stuff on the board. And then all of a sudden, the next thing I know, you're president. How did that happen? Uh well, Janice had been president, what, for ever, ever since the beginning of Friends and Art in the mid-80s. And Friends and Art started with Janice and two other ladies who decided they would like to go in, in the very cities that the uh, convention was held. They would like to attend such things as museums and so so forth and take advantage of the local art scene. And from there, it snowballed, I'll say, and embraced everybody who was interested in art or performing art. And thus, out of that was born the showcase. Janice said that one evening at an early convention, um, meaning uh, mid or late 80s, that she and a couple other people were playing for each other music. And people came and listened. A lot of people came and listened when they heard it. And thus uh, was born the showcase. And it's been an institution uh, with Friends in Art and ACB ever since. So Janice was president. Yes. And uh, did you follow Janice? Yes, I followed Janice. You followed Janice. You, be- you became president when, Mike, in in, in 94? Uh, I don't think it was 94. Feel oh, okay. more like not 95 or 96. Okay, there you go. Yeah. And then I know another thing that you were instrumental in, no pun intended, uh, was doing the... You worked with the MIDI, but you had MIDI workshops where you demonstrate, and and you also not just the mag, but y'all worked on advocacy, and we had people that demonstrated different ways that they had worked with making the instruments and the programs accessible. Yes, yes. That was something that I just got involved right around that time. Mike, when you were president, this is something that, that was really important to you, right? This is something yes, you really yeah. sort of drove. Yeah, he was big time into that. Yeah, he was. Yes. And it was really it was really wonderful. That's one that was, was go ahead, I'm sorry. I, 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 I recall another situation in Chicago. Now maybe I was president. I'm not sure. But out of all the uh, artistic events that Friends in Art had attended. We didn't have anything that reflected black culture. So in 94 Chicago, we had, as as one of our events, going to the Buddy Guys Blues. Uh, Buddy Guys. Oh, yeah. I remember. Yeah. The Blues Club. 
And we're to his listen, club, yeah. And listening, yeah, we're to his club. Buddy, I don't know if he was there or not. Uh, but I wanted, uh, I had a desire really for Friends and Art to reach and embrace more than just the expected European art scene, you know? European art scene is wonderful, they're wonderful, but we have so much, you know, from uh, so many other cultures and people and members of ACB that we we have an opportunity to meet. We, yeah, go ahead. We call that program Blues in the Night. Sad day? Well, whew, there's our I, I actually do. I actually, I actually do remember that. Yeah, it's really true. Wow. Yeah. So you, so you did that, and yeah. the other thing that happened around that time, maybe a little later, as I remember it, because uh, around that, I, I got on the board several years later. I don't remember precisely when it was, but it was several years later. Actually, uh, uh, I will tell a story on myself. So I went to the lunch, and I had agreed to serve on the board, but somehow I missed the meeting where I'd be serving the board because I, there was a a demonstration of playing hockey, uh, table hockey for blind people, but I got distracted and missed the board meeting. Um, but that's a different conversation for another time. <laughs> so I, I, I ran to somebody. I said, did I make the, did, did you like me anyway? They said, yes. <laughs> so I was grateful for that. Um, so anyway, Mike, so what, one of the things that, that you guys did, or we did actually, because I got involved with it by then, was working with Berkeley College of Music at the time, now it's Berkeley right. School of Music. So talk well, that about was that. Was on a little yeah. while later. Yeah, yeah, it was a little while later, but it wasn't that much later. It was early, you know, early two thousands, as I remember. I would say, um, I would say so. Yeah. Uh, um, so, so talk about so talk about that. Okay. How that how that happened? Well, I was thinking that you know there were so many people making the living at music, and so many young people coming up that all the you know, that they were introduced to technology at the time. And there was no place where they could really, really get the information needed to develop a career from. And so Berkeley, which probably is the best exponent of uh, American music, all, all types, including bluegrass, I found that out, uh, I thought, well, why don't we talk to Berkeley and see if we can get a program for blind musicians to learn and get the necessary tools to develop their career. At that time, technology was taking over in the clubs with DJs. I remember eating at one restaurant here in New York, and they had a mannequin sitting in front of a digital piano playing. And uh, that reminded, reminded me that a lot of us used to get work on weekends just playing piano at the, at the corner tavern or local restaurant. But those opportunities, because of technology, I believe, were diminished or went away entirely. Thus, something like Berkeley, a program at Berkeley, where we could follow their curriculum with accessible materials or whatever solution we could come up with would be important. I had a friend, I still have a friend, his name is Jack Paracone. Jack was the chairman of the songwriting department at Berkeley. And Jack and I have been good friends. I, I really admire the man uh, for, for quite some time. And so he worked on the inside for us. And uh, we went to their, uh, we initially met with their public service, I guess you want to call it, guy, Bob Movey. Uh, and he dealt with the you know, issues such as special needs students and that kind of thing. And so, okay, we asked if we could meet. And he said, yes. And, during, and for that meeting, Gordon, Janice, uh, came along, Dave Goldstein came along, and uh, maybe somebody else. But we were there, and we were talking about what we thought could be needed and how students' needs needed to be met. And 
we had two or three powwows like that of a committee meeting that advocated for this. And then finally, Jack Perricone told me to come to Boston and have a sit down with the president. So uh, Roger, uh, Roger, I'm sorry, I forget your last name right now. But uh, so Jack arranged for that meeting and I went in and I laid it out that blind musicians now don't have the economic opportunities, nor did we have the uh, professional nurturing that we used to have. And work and opportunity for us was diminishing in the current entertainment climate. And uh, we needed to find a way where students could be educated today and prepare for a professional professional life or career in the future. And he and I talked for about 45 minutes about this. And out of it, he said, you got it. So uh, Jack, so thank you, Jack Paracone. They did start a program and still have it at Berkeley. Uh, Many of the materials for such as sight reading and so on were brailed by the National Braille Press. And I believe the harmony courses and so on. And she, what well, I remember Chi's full name. Uh, he's, a, he's a blind composer, graduated from New York University, and had done some film work for Korea. Well, he is there, and I think he's still there as the head of the department. And teaching our people pro tools and how to use other high-tech programs and hardware so that they can have a successful career. And usually there's no more than eight or nine blind students per year, sometimes less, uh, from all over the world. That was wonderful. Uh, When I went, went up there to visit and there was somebody from Asia, somebody from Turkey, uh, it was really terrific, male and female, it was terrific. And I'm thinking Berkeley has now a new president and uh, she's had maybe nine months to a year to get used to things and put things in order that it may be time to approach Berkeley again and see we can't re-up the program and re-up the funding, as Berkeley itself did not fund the program. Initially, a grant came from the owner of the Boston Celtics, whose son was blind. So he was interested. And I don't know where the other funds and grants have come from, but uh, I'd like to see Berkeley fund this. They certainly, I believe, have have the You know, Mike, another area before Berkeley, where you really worked as one of our strongest advocates, was was it called NAMS when we were first getting, for a long time, Pro Tools did not used to be very accessible. That's right. And there were other programs that were, though. You and Gord went to California at their that's right. That's right. Yes. Grand exhibits and stuff like that. And then also we got Bill McCann to talk to us and work with us on notation. These are things that happened before we had these tools to offer Berkeley or to make yeah. them aware of. You know, you thank you, Nancy. Yeah, you're right. Uh Nam, uh I think it stands for something like National Association of Musical Instrument Manufacturers, something like that. I I don't think I have it quite right, but it's it's a huge show in California in January every year where manufacturers around the globe uh, show you the new and forthcoming products for the year. And that is the one place where the CEOs 
of these various companies will be to show their product. So uh, we thought, well, the CEOs are the, those are the people we need to talk to, the head honchos, in order to uh, uh, acquaint them with disability and acquaint them with the needs that our particular group has. So yes, we went out to California. I and think. was that how y'all got hooked up with Dave Pinto? Well, I think Gordon knew Dave Pinto prior. Uh, okay. And I'd spoken to him on the phone. I don't remember what it's about. But yes, David Pinto, bless him. A man who, uh, what he did was made a program, wrote a program with jaw scripts that made cakewalk. Yep. Then, cakewalk. Uh, yep. Yeah, made cakewalk a DAW digital audio workstation really accessible, be real accessible to blind folks. Dave did some outstanding work there and did uh, on uh, Sibelius, the notation program, did some right. wonderful work on that also. So yes, uh, and, and Dave went with us to NAM. Uh, to represent his teaching as he he taught blind students and special need blind kids about music and how to be musicians. And there was one person that I recall named Rachel, who is an amazing musician who really should be in the art parlor sometime. But yes, we did that. Gord was there. Also a man named Kevin Gibbs. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really, okay. really fine pianist. And uh, we hooked up with him and our, our group went around and got some uh, some people to be interested. I remember, what are they called? Oh. Uh, an early software sampler. And uh, we talked to one of the people there and he honored our request by making the program a little more accessible. Uh, Gary Garretton, who has put out some fine software products and has an orchestral software product that uh, I think is the great entry-level program for anybody wanting to use an orchestra that can be accessible in a DAW digital audio workstation. I do want to go back briefly to the Berkeley situation because one of our yeah. scholarship winners uh, most recently went through that Berkeley program that, that you and Gordon and Janice set up yeah. and found it incredibly useful and gushed about it. I don't, I'm sure you remember this, Nancy, as we were interviewing you for the scholarship. It was one of those moments where we really saw how our efforts made a difference. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. and, 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 you know, so I just, you know, it's one of those make, great things. Megan Downing. Megan Downing. That's right. Megan yeah. Downing. Yeah. Uh, who, by the way, is now in Spain, uh, yes. doing uh, over there, doing amazing things in Spain, in part because of the work that, that you, you and Gordon and Janice did back in however long ago yeah. it was. Uh, Thanks. You know, it, 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 really, it really made it. For Thank me, you, going through it's the... Been ongoing. We had yeah. Wayne, who was before right. that a magnificent trumpet player and fantastic musician and assistant in the labs for all of this work that, you yep. know, once they got them accessible, you still needed somebody sort of to point the way for some novice people who came in because people did not just open their little peepers knowing that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and that's that, right. Know, yeah. And, and Peter, you raised something. Uh, it is really gratifying. When uh, uh, when we see people using the mini bag, uh, making associations with other people from the mini bag, and now there are many more uh, lists out there. Reapers with beepers. Oh, gee, there's a lot uh, to support us in having as accessibility to some of these programs, and we're getting. You know, the knowledge of some really sharp people out there, these sharp people are now because of, of things like the mini bag, 
and other listeners and so on, they're now able to meet and talk and and support each other in uh, in the efforts of going, you know, moving forward, moving a person forward, moving their career forward. Boy, I mean, I think of like uh, of the young guy who's really young, a young genius. Oh, Patrick. I'm still uh, here. I think he was going to talk about Patrick that was in ACB radio that came and he was a whiz bang. One of the things I want to sort of talk about with Mike and we, we can still talk about this without him. And and because one of the things that Mike also did with Gordon was bring, uh, when we brought together the house band, which is back in the late 90s. Oh, yeah. That's, he that's brought right. in and Gordon brought these amazing musicians to play with us. You know, uh, yeah. you know, one way or one way or another, you know, they're just, you know, oh. including Jason, by the way, Jason Cassidy was, was, was a Mike and Gordon find. And there are many other people. I, I remember one guy, Christy, Christy Killian. Um, yeah. And uh, there was one guy whose name I can't remember who played, I think, keyboards or bass for the Bee Gees. One of the one of those things. Oh, and, wow. and, and and he was there and we were playing. um uh uh which which uh Mika White was singing. And uh, the, the the guy said to me, Do you know this piece of music? And I said, I I, I mean this guy was world famous. I, and I thought I of course I knew the music, but I thought, well, do I really know the music? And I said, Well, I think so. You know, and and there's such talent in that band. That Gordon and Mike put together, you know, through through their efforts and just through the years, different ones, different different people. Um, uh, And it really was a remarkable thing that uh, you know that the two of them did to get that band together. Uh, You know, uh, Gordon. And then we had our small vocal group that we got to. Oh, we just did so many things through the years like that. It was, and again, that was uh, you know some of that was was largely Gordon, but Mike really. Well, that was Gordon, but but. But, but, but the but, band, Mike, yeah. was always in the band. Mike was always involved, and uh, we were always and, rehearsing during general sessions, which was awesome, because that means I didn't have to go to general sessions. I had an excuse not to go to general sessions. And it was one of the highlights of every year for me to be in oh, that band. Oh, it was. It was just it a remarkable. Was. It was a remarkable thing. And and it gave auditionees the chance to, you know, to, to you know, be backed up with a, with a pretty good band. I mean, we were good. You know, we we screwed up sometimes, but we were a really good group oh, of musicians. Um, listen, but, we don't yeah. put we're not designing this for confession. Yeah. We- <laughs> this is Jason, your co-host here. And before Peter wraps the show, I wanted to get in here and provide some samples of Mike Mandel's playing. One of my first memories was in the 2000 FIA showcase in Louisville. Mike was accompanying Frank Senior with "When I Fall in Love." Maybe I'm old-fashioned Feeling as I do Or even maybe Maybe I'm living in the past I need the right love I just know That I'll be true For my first love Will be My last When I fall in love It will be forever, yeah Or I'll never fall in In 
restless world like this is Love has ended before it's begun And too many moonlight kisses Seem to cool in that warmth of the sun When I give my heart It will be completely Or I'll never, 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 never Give my That's when he'll fall in love He'll fall in love with, with you The man, take over Here's Mike Mandel solo doing some boogie woogie from the 97 FIA showcase.
Thank you, Mike, for, for joining us on this art parlor. We wish you well in the future, and you're still our president. And so we still follow your lead, despite our attempts not to sometimes. But we do uh, follow <laughs> your lead, and we're delighted to have you as president. Thank you for listening to Art Parlor. Join us next month. We're not sure who we're going to have, but we'll have somebody great. Come to our website, friendsinart.org, and check us out and join us. Actually, we do know who we're going to have next month. Oh, do we? Yes, we, we're going to have Chris Cool. Okay, so I didn't know that was official. That's, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it is official. Um, okay. And uh, to look for more information about the day and the time forthcoming. And who is Chris Cole? Chris Cool is the editor-in-chief of Breath and Shadow Disability Literature Magazine. Check it out at abilitymain.org, and you spell that as in Maine, the state, .org. Come to our website, friendsinart.org, and check us out and join us. Art Parlor is brought to you by Friends in Art and ACB Media. It airs every Saturday beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern on ACB Media 1. To listen and for a full schedule, go to acbmedia.org slash one. Art Parlor is also available as a podcast. Just search for Art Parlor in your favorite podcast app. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at artparlor at friendsinart.org and please feel free to check out our website, www.friendsinart.org. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next month. Thank you.